0: Um, The reading is taken from Luke, chapter 11, verses 1 to 13, and it can be found on page 1042 in the uh, Green Pew Bibles, Chair Bibles. That's Luke, chapter 11, verses 1 to 13. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place, When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive those, everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you because of friendship, yet because of um, your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks the door will be opened which of you fathers if your son asks for a fish will give him a snake instead or if he asks for an egg will give him a scorpion if you then though you are evil know how much to uh, sorry know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him?
1: Good morning. Good morning. Shameless audacity, eh? Some great phrases in there, aren't there? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day, and we thank you that we're free to gather, to worship, to praise your name, and to read out loud from your word. May it speak to our hearts this morning, and may we know something more of your love. Amen. So, I wonder if you think of yourself as a patient person. Do you? Let's do a little survey. Very simply. Patient, hands up. Steven's face is a picture at this point. Okay, not patient, not so very patient. Mm. Interesting, interesting. I have to confess that deep down, I'm not such a patient person. However, we learn a degree of patience as we grow up, don't we? In my previous profession, I learned through bitter experience that just because I was in the right place at the right time and I was ready to teach, it did not mean my class was ready to learn. Patience was required. Something that seemed terribly easy to me sometimes appeared to be completely unfathomable to my pupils. Well, there were all sorts of reasons for that. Perhaps I'd hauled them in from a particularly glorious football match. They didn't want to be reminded of something they were not so good at. Perhaps they were struggling with relationship issues and they felt sad and distracted. I found that very few people care about French grammar when their friends don't appear to love them anymore. Perhaps they were tired or hungry and the practicalities of life were getting them down and filling their minds sorts of reasons why they didn't want to concentrate. My job required patience. It required me to bring the students into the room, as it were, to help them find a frame of mind in which they could engage with the subject and put aside other things for a while before they could settle to the job in hand. So it is with prayer. Sometimes our hearts are hurting overbroken relationships, the practicalities of life or the difficulty of finding the way forward in life. And we struggle to know how to talk to God about these things, even though these are exactly the things we should be bringing to God. We struggle to quiet the noise in our heads and hearts enough to talk to God about the difficult things we face and to hear his voice in return. In our passage this morning, Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray. Do follow it as we go through. I wonder if you were ever a fan of the great British sewing bee. Did you ever see that on the television? If you're not familiar with it, it's a television series in which a group of contestants, week upon week, Complete three needlecraft challenges to find out who's the best sewer, perhaps a bit of a niche market. But as my children quite rightly point out, it's only partially about the sewing, it's all about the people and their lives, really. As anyone who sews knows, whatever pattern you begin with, each sewer brings something of themselves. To the garment and so the outcome from one pattern can be remarkably varied. It might be the choice of fabric that brings individuality or it might be the care with which an individual cuts out or assembles a garment that makes it stand out from the crowd. It might simply be the way a person interprets the pattern's instructions that makes a garment shine. Sometimes A person's inexperience or lack of attention to detail lets them down, whilst from time to time, courage and flair for the task can equally carry the day. In today's reading, the disciples ask Jesus to teach them how to pray. They've watched him talking to his heavenly Father and they find it attractive. So much so that they want to know how to be like that themselves. If you want to learn anything, it's always a good thing to ask somebody who already does it really well for advice, isn't it? Jesus displayed his extra special relationship with his heavenly father in every waking moment. It colored everything he said and did. Our God is a God of relationship, of love, not asking anything in return. And prayer helps us to sustain that relationship. In our opening verses, Jesus sets out a pattern for us to follow to help us pray. As with any paper pattern, it can be used by anyone and it'll look slightly different depending on who's using it and what they bring to color the conversation. But nonetheless, Jesus offers us here a broad plan as to what a conversation with our Heavenly Father might look like. You'll see that it's not a carbon copy of the the Lord's Prayer as we find it in Matthew's Gospel, that's in chapter six if you want to compare them But the intention is clearly to offer us a framework within which we can move. Now, in the evening services this term, we're looking in detail, one line at a time, at the Lord's Prayer. But this morning, we've just got time for a simple overview. So let's take a look at the Lord's Prayer, line by line. Father, He begins by addressing God as Father. The relationship suggested is one of gentleness and love, of intimacy. Human fathers are far from perfect and there is a risk that this terminology doesn't help you. But we need to remember that God is most certainly not human and he doesn't suffer from the frailties that all human fathers do. In Jesus' teaching, he's presented as one who loves and cares for his children. Moreover, he wants to be in conversation with us. Just think for a minute how lovely it is to catch up with your own children, if you have them. To hear what they're up to and what their hopes and fears for life are. We don't need to have a purpose for that kind of conversation. It's simply good to hear their voice and to be involved in their life, isn't it? Broken relationships between children and parents are so painful, and our Heavenly Father understands that as he waits patiently for us, his wayward children, to turn back to him. He waits, longing to hear your voice this morning, longing to hear your voice call his name. Hallowed be thy name. Jesus encourages us to approach him with reverence as he is indeed holy. Hallowed be thy name is very old English, but that is exactly what it's advising us to do, to treat God with the respect that his holiness deserves. And as others see you doing that, perhaps they'll learn to do the same too. Your kingdom come As we ask for his kingdom to come, we are in fact asking for his will to be outworked in our lives. Those who pray in this way are longing for Christ's answers to our problems. It can, of course, be quite challenging because sometimes we've got a very fixed idea of what the best solution to our problem might look like. Our God is sovereign and his view is much greater and more nuanced than ours. And sometimes his best will for our lives is not quite the same as the outcome that would suit us best. In asking for his kingdom to come, we're also looking to the future and longing for the time when Christ will come again in glory and rule over the earth. We sometimes talk in church circles about the now and the not yet, don't we? The now being how we live from day to day and the not yet being an expectation that our Lord will one day return and all things will be made new and his reign will be perfect. Give us each day our daily bread. In Luke's account, he here asks our Heavenly Father to give us what we need for each day as it comes. Now, bread is really one of my favorite foodstuffs, but you know, in this warm heat, even the nicest, freshest loaf of bread doesn't keep very well. There was a beautiful display in the prayer room of this line with some beautiful fresh bread that we put there on Sunday night. And we'd preserved it, we put it in a bag so that it wouldn't go nasty on Monday. But you know, I went in there this morning to check it out, and it had in fact gone moldy. I had to take it away. What's perfect and fresh for my lunch today is likely to be rather dry and unpleasant tomorrow, and totally unusable the day after. Jesus advises us to ask God to meet our our needs for each day as it comes. It's a great temptation, isn't it, to try and nail a long-term plan. To feel totally secure from now until eternity might seem quite appealing, but it is good for us to recognize our dependence on God for everything one day at a time. It discourages us from being arrogant and self-reliant and it reminds us that everything we have is provided by him anyway. Being in a place of need reminds us of how much we do rely on his daily provision and how utterly trustworthy he is to meet our needs. One day, at a time. It's a simple line in the Lord's Prayer, easy to visualize perhaps, but actually really hard to do. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Another tricky line. Suffice it to say, for this morning, that Jesus reminds us we can confidently turn to our merciful Heavenly Father to forgive us all of our sins. And we're called upon to reflect that same mercy to those around us who do us wrong. We're all human. Romans 5 verse 8 reminds us that it was whilst we were still sinners and not caring about him at all that Christ came to die for us on the cross and to rise again for our sakes. Not because we deserved it or because we'd said we were sorry. Simply because he loves us. Similarly, we're called on to forgive those around us when they do us wrong, because God loves us. And unforgiveness in our hearts for others spoils our relationship with him. And lead us not into temptation. Jesus recognizes that we need to resist temptation. After all, it's because sin is appealing that we occasionally fall into it. James reminds us that it's not God who tempts us, but that we can find ourselves enticed away by our own evil desires, and we can ask his help to have the strength to take a better path. So, within the framework of the Lord's Prayer, we see Jesus recommending that we come to God in intimacy, with reverence, and a longing for the outworking of his purposes. He encourages us to depend entirely on God and in his strength, live a holy life and resist temptation. Above all, we're invited to address God with persistence and boldness as the friend in the story hammers on his neighbor's door repeatedly to ask for assistance. In the household Jesus describes in his story, the family would have all lain down to sleep on the floor, side by side. So it would indeed have been inconvenient for the father to have to get up, disturb his wife and his children, in order to answer the door. It would have been a great nuisance, but the code of hospitality observed in the ancient Middle East meant that a friend knew he would not be turned away he had confidence that his needs would be met in the same way we can approach God with our problems confident that he will hear us and respond by meeting our needs perhaps this will not quite look the way we'd like it to but he will meet our needs So, I want to leave you with some questions to ponder. What does your prayer life look like? Do you come to God only in a crisis, occasionally and in a desperate stew, a sort of last resort? Or are you confident of the loving response you will hear from your heavenly Father? Do you chat with him regularly about the big and the little things in life? Do you set aside time to listen to him and read his word? Do you expect him to answer you? We are engaged in a kind of battle a struggle in prayer for peace and reconciliation in our communities, for wisdom and harmony in our world, in our families, even amongst our church family, our friends and our neighbors. We wrestle daily with our own sinful nature and our day-to-day struggles. Jesus recommends persistence in prayer. I wonder what you think that looks like. Between Ascension and Pentecost, the Archbishop of Canterbury, as Nicholas said, has called the Christian world to pray. Prayer that we might see many come to know God's love and that we might indeed see lives changed and his kingdom come here on earth. I hope many of you have signed up to pray for a part of our parish during this coming week so that we might see or so that we might ask God's blessing and see it on all the people who live here whether they know him on, or already or not. Perhaps you've also identified the five people that you're going to pray for daily that they might begin to understand God's amazing love for them. Our Heavenly Father longs for us to come to him and talk to him about all the things that matter to us in life and also I believe the things that don't matter much. I believe he simply can't get enough of us chatting to him and it delights him when he is our first thought in the morning and our last thought at night. Now many of you here have been walking a prayerful path for more years than I've even been alive. I know that. And you have much to give to the rest of our church family. But we mustn't forget that it's not only the more mature in years that can offer insights into prayer. The uncomplicated simplicity of a child's prayer is a beautiful and powerful thing. This month's Manner magazine explores what it means to pray in various ways. Do take one and read it and pass it on. There are some familiar faces in there this time. Prayer changes things. So, however, we pray, the coming week offers us a special opportunity to wait on God's Holy Spirit. And as we wait, we pray. We pray that our Heavenly Father will move in power, that our hearts will be turned to him, that lives will be healed, changed and restored, and that we will see his kingdom come here on earth. As we wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, we ask him not only to change the lives of those who don't yet know him, but also to change our own hearts too, may we, as the heart of Walcott Parish, invite the Holy Spirit to make his home here, here, in here, to change us and mould us into his likeness. We're going to end the talk today with another opportunity to pray using Pete's wonderful A to Send video of our parish. But before we do, let me read to you the powerful words of the soundtrack. It's a song by a group called Rent Collective. This is our prayer for Walcott. Lord, Build your kingdom here. Let the darkness fear. Show your mighty hand, heal our streets and land. Set your church on fire. Win your nation back. Change the atmosphere. Build your kingdom here, we pray. Come. Set your rule and reign, reign in our hearts again, increase in us we pray, unveil why we're made. Come set our hearts ablaze with love, like wildfire in our very souls, Holy Spirit come and invade us now. We are your church and we need your power in us. We seek your kingdom first. We hunger and we thirst. Refuse to waste our lives. For you're our joy and prize. To see the captive hearts released, the hurt, the sick, the poor at peace. We lay down our lives for heaven's cause. We are your church. And we pray, revive this earth. Build your kingdom here in Walcott today. Amen.